What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Outfielder Podcast, Episode 10, brought to you by Sensibly Loud Media. My name is Justin, a.k.a. J-Mac, a.k.a. Founder Numero Uno, and I will be your host, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Popfly himself, Ben the Blowfish Baseball. Ben, what's going on, man? <laughs> so, so if I'm the Blowfish, would that make you Hootie? Is that what yes, we're going sure. with here? I'm doing yes. well, Justin. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm... I'm I outdid myself on that nickname. I'm, I'm oh, sorry. pretty good. Oh, really pretty solid. I like that. Did you have yourself a good baseball weekend? I did, man. I did. Great. I did a lot of baseball watching this weekend. How about you? Uh, I did a lot of uh, honeydew lists around the house, but I definitely uh, tried to keep my finger on the pulse of it. I like did to you keep, listen to some uh, baseball while you did the work, like an American? Oh, absolutely, I did. Absolutely. Awesome. I was really, really worried you were going to say no. <laughs> I, I was really do? concerned. I, you, you, you far exceeded expectation at this point. That's my goal is to consistently impress you. I love it. I love it. Well, uh, so this episode is going to be a little bit different. Uh, this is going to be called a fastball edition of the Outfielder Podcast. That's what does right. that mean? Well, we've been talking about uh, all kinds of things around baseball, but one of the most intriguing stories I think so far this year has been the Mets getting off to a 12-2 and start. And, Ben, whenever we talk about the Mets, we've got to talk talk to Jimmy Midtown, right? That's right. You cannot think of New York Metropolitan Baseball without think of, thinking of good old Jimmy Westside himself. Uh, so I think what's really great is this isn't called the fastball because of an early 2000s band from Austin with a one-hit wonder called The Way. No, no, no. This is called the fastball because we're going to give it to you hit we're going to give it to you quick. What Justin went ahead and did, he had a wonderful interview uh, with Jimmy uh, Jimmy Westside himself, Jimmy Midtown himself, and uh, we're going to go ahead and bring that to you all fresh. And not even knowing the way while doing so. Oh my God. See, this would be the part where if I wasn't so damn proud of you for that joke, I would lay out on you, but that was incredible. Thank you so much for making that. You're welcome. I was really hoping you were going to end that sentence in a way that I could at least halfway work that in. So, Well done, man. It. Ben, who's sponsoring the pod today? That's right. Feeling under the weather? Springtime allergens got you down? Come on down to Doc Goodens. Drafted by the Mets in 82, he was able to win a Cy Young in 1985. While he can't actually help with a cold or administer a flu shot, he can still be the second most winning pitcher in Mets history. Back to you, Justin. Do you think he's got... Never mind. I'm not going to make the really sad, inappropriate joke there involving drugs, but... Thank you. We're going to go high on this one. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, The uh, and I, I compliment you every time. I feel like I have to. Sponsors. Incredible. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. I love it. Well, like I said, Mets are off to a 12-2 and two start. We're recording this on Monday. So uh, we did the interview, or I did the interview with Jimmy on Sunday. And luckily for me, Jimmy was in the perfect mood to talk baseball because he had just got back from the Mets game. And one of the things that Jimmy and I talk about is how uh, weather is going to be improving uh, for, you know, pretty much from here on out whenever he goes to games. So totally stoked for that. It's been a weird year for weather around the league. What would you say, Ben? Oh, absolutely. I think that there's no real better time to talk about baseball, uh, especially for Jimmy, than he leaves City Field 
straight from Flushing Meadows, goes back to his place in Hell's Kitchen and gets on and talks baseball with us. Like, you can't set it up any better than that. You got to admire the commitment. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we are going to go ahead and bring you the interview. Like I said, me and Jimmy talking a little bit of Mets baseball. Enjoy. And uh, and we, like I said, we thank Jimmy for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you, Jimmy. All righty, everyone. Well, I am here with our good friend of the pod, All Business Jimmy, to talk a little bit about what's going on with the Mets. Jimmy, how's it going, man? Oh, man. It's, I, I'm probably the most nervous fan of a 12-2 and two team that, that you can find, but uh, I'd rather be worried about a 12-2 and two team than uh, lamenting a, a team that's under 500. Can't blame you there. Can't blame you there. Well, on the, uh, the preview, we talked a little bit about kind of what uh, you know what they needed to do to be kind of in the spot they're in. Uh, what is how, do you think they followed that process so far? Tell me a little bit about uh, you know kind of what what formula they followed. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I, I think that you know going into the season, you know ev- what everybody said was basically like, well, if you know if the pitching staff is healthy, they're going to be competitive. And uh, well, I mean, the pitching staff has been pretty healthy so far. Uh, they, they've managed to actually. Um, turn for the first time ever. They've gone one time through the rotation with uh, Syndergaard, Degrom, Harvey, Mats, and Wheeler, which is the you know the thing that, that Mets fans have been uh, really excited about for a long time. So they they finally managed to do that. Wheeler didn't actually start the season in the rotation, um, but they uh, just kind of by by virtue of off days and and some different things ended up in a situation where they needed to call Wheeler up and have him do that. Um, but the, the the rotation has been really really good. Uh, the the pitching staff as a whole has been has been great. I, I think probably the big surprise for the team has been the fact that that the bullpen has uh, overall pitched really well. But they've added in Seth Lugo and Robert Gazelman, who were both guys that were competing for rotation spots during spring training, and uh, just kind of by virtue of of there not being enough rotation spots. Uh, those two slotted in as, as kind of long men who uh, Mickey Calloway has actually used pretty well. I think that's probably another thing is that Mickey Calloway uh, ha- has turned out to be a competent adult human being who knows how to use relief pitchers <laughs> in a normal way, which is a, a new thing for us Mets fans to have a, a manager who f- can figure out what on earth to do with the pitchers he has available. So, I mean, the, the team has led with its pitching, uh, both the starters and the relievers, um, and the offense has kind of chipped in uh, enough to make them competitive. So, you know, I would say that's basically been the recipe. Yeah. Uh, You know, rely on your pitching. Um, Maybe not, the you know, the starting pitching hasn't gone deep. They've only had one guy go into the seventh (laughs) inning so far, which is not what you would expect. But the bullpen has been really strong, and and the offense has, uh, you know, kept up. So I was going to ask you, so... Mickey Callaway, previously pitching coach for the Indians, right? That's right. Um, so, I mean, it seems like baseball's really gone the way of like using the bullpen differently in the last couple years, as far as maybe not letting your starters go a hundred pitches and kind of right. getting away from that that uh, that old school mantra. It sounds like that's made a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. So. So Mickey, uh, you know, aside from being ruggedly handsome, he uh, is, uh, you know, he's he's actually like 
I would say probably at the the forefront of um, maybe that approach that you know we've had probably in the first how I guess we're 14 15 games in 14 for the Mets but um, we've had more games than I would have expected where the starter only goes five innings mm-hmm. and uh, you know I think Mickey's approach has been if I get five good innings out of a starting pitcher and you know I could gamble on him giving me one more good inning to get to six or I could go to my pen and uh, you know pick some matchups and make things work I'll do the latter and not feel so bad about you know I think maybe the stigma of having a starter only go five innings and so he's been more aggressive going to the bullpen he uh, has been more aggressive turning to uh, you know, I guess he, he's gone to, to so Jerry's Familia, who's the Mets closer, he's gone to him a few times now for multi-inning saves. Yeah. So bring him in in the, in the eighth inning, maybe doing a four or five out save. Uh, but he also, you know, he, he's kind of been pitching this idea of, you know, he wants to work the matchups and he wants to, to kind of find the spots where he can put a guy in, maybe in, in, a, in a high leverage spot. Where you know it's 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 maybe less traditional, but he just really feels good about that that matchup. It's kind of worked out where all of it has followed a somewhat traditional path, where you know he is still putting his closer in to close games. He's not going crazy and bringing Familia in in the sixth inning, right? Um, though he he at least has has kind of pitched himself as like I will do that if I want to do that. Sure, uh, he just hasn't done it yet. Um, but I, I think all things considered. He has he's gone to his bullpen quickly, and he's used them pretty effectively. And it seems like he has a thought out process for how he's going to finish a game if he's going to yeah. pull his starter in the fifth inning. Which I mean, no offense to Terry Collins, but Terry Collins didn't almost ever seem like he had a plan for how he was going to get to the inning beyond sure. wherever he was. He was just kind of you know a little bit. Uh, flying by the seat of his pants. So it's it's really nice to have Mickey seeming to have a, a, a bit of a process there. Totally understandable. And I mean, that's, you know, I mean, I think back to like, you know, pitching in the old days, just myself. And I mean, obviously we weren't allowed to go, you know, 100 pitches. Um, right. But it's a better way of managing the bullpen, I think. And I, I've seen Boston go to that some. It's kind of hard when you got workhorses like Sale and, uh, and David Price. But... Mm-hmm. Um, but not relying on that as a crutch and not worrying about whether you're, you know, what, are we trying to keep our, our ninth inning guy, our closer fresh, you know, our setup man fresh, kind of going to that overall, that back and forth between what makes sense and, and what, you know, what is most efficient for the team more, I would say it's just more analytical planning as far as like, uh, you know, the day to day and thinking about the next three games as opposed to thinking about the next inning. Absolutely, it's it's a really cool approach. It's it's I think that's one of the cooler things about having a younger manager and or you know a younger manager as far as being in the seat. Uh, you know, is doing a lot of stuff like that that are a little bit less orthodox, but also you know kind of effective in in the the longer grand scheme of plans. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think that um, it, it certainly seems like Callaway has a method to the madness and, you know, people are giving him some rope to do that, you know, well, at least while the team is winning, but it it seems like he, he definitely has uh, some thoughts behind what he's doing, which is, is better than what we've dealt with previously. And and the great thing to see as a division rival uh, is that Mickey Calloway is not treating it like a, 
good old uh, Gabe Kapler over there in Philly. Oh God, well, yeah, we we don't. I I think it, it's a it's a real blessing that Gabe Kapler made his way into the NL East. Uh, he seems like a complete <laughs> psychopath. Yes, and um, I, I I'm more than happy to watch him uh, just go completely ballistic <laughs> with. <laughs> Uh, you know, whatever, whatever ludicrous plan he's, he's doing over there. I don't think he has a plan. No, no. I think he's just a, cra- a crazy person that got put in charge of the major league baseball team. Um, and that that's fine by me. I think that he's really, honestly, he's trying to do too much. He was trying to use oh, yeah. too much analytical data and all that. And it, it just wasn't, it's not translating. It's gotten better. It seems like they've, they've gotten a little bit yeah. better of a run here. Uh, uh, so, so I guess like the opening, opening weekend, I had gone to opening day mm-hmm. for the Mets, and then I went that Sunday. And as I was walking back from the concessions to my seat uh, on that Sunday, I was listening to, you know, basically like in the ballpark, they play the, um, you know, the, the play-by-play yeah. for the TV. Yeah. And uh, the, the Mets play-by-play guy, uh, Gary Cohen, who is uh, is fantastic, he, he was talking, this, this is, you know, the day after Gabe Kapler did whatever crazy thing he did with the bullpen that Saturday. That, you mean where he didn't you know, everybody... use a double switch properly? Right, where, well, yeah, where, where he was just like, I'm going to bring in the lefty, yeah. and he didn't have a lefty warming up. Yeah, that, that <laughs> they were one. doing jumping jacks um, in the pits. <laughs> and, and Gary Cohn was so kind, he was just like, yeah, you know, a lot of people said that Gabe Kapler was going to be a high-risk, high-reward <laughs> situation. It's like, well, that's one way to put it, Gary. It's so nice. Yeah, well... Yeah, high high risk being he was just going to not plan for how he was going to use pitchers, and then he was going to do it. Yeah. And I don't really know what the reward is on that that spectrum, but yeah, Gabe Kapler, high risk, high reward for sure. I guess I, I can't really wrap my head around what they were doing doing jumping jacks in the pin to begin with. God, what a what a crazy person. You know he has I a really, website, right? No. Uh, yeah. You, what? You, you should look into that sometime. <laughs> It, What's the website? It's it's a wild scene. You you can find it. You, you, All right, GabeKapler.com. Yeah, I'm sure it's something along those lines. I haven't looked into it, but I've heard things about it that just flabbergast the mind. Um, Good anyway, Lord. back to the the Mets, I guess in general. But well, I guess let me answer this. How uh, how's the division shaping up so far? Is that I mean, do you think that's played a part in the Mets' success overall so far? I don't know, man. I mean, like yes in that they've played the Marlins and the Nats so far. But, like, the Nats are supposed to be the best team in the division. The Nats are a team that people think are going to win, you know, 90-plus games. I think that was what our, our collective projections were when we did the NL preview. The Nats, are, Nats aren't that great so far. They're, I think they, I don't know if they won today, but they are, you know, hovering just below 500 if they, if they maybe got to 500 today. Um, the Marlins are obviously, like, not that good. But... Um, have have come out at least playing competitively, uh, so I think the division itself has not been a factor in the Mets starting twelve and two in the sense that it's not like they're feasting off of the Phillies and the Braves and the Marlins. Like they they beat the Marlins and they beat the Nats, but the Nats are supposed to be good. Uh, the Mets actually have beaten the Cardinals. Uh, they took two of three today, or you know this weekend from the Brewers. They swept the Nats. So, you know, a, a big chunk of the Mets' success so, so far has been against teams that people thought would be competitive yeah. um, for, for a playoff spot. So, at least so far, you know, I think um, if, you're, if you're a Mets fan, you're, you're saying, you know, these guys are, are holding their own against uh, the, the teams that, 
are supposed to be competitive in league. Yeah, seemingly competitive teams, totally. Uh, Washington did lose today to Colorado, by the way. Okay, so they're 7-9, and nine, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. that's probably been my biggest surprise. I think they'll get going. Um, I mean, you know, they'll figure it out. I think it's a very similar situation to, like, what the Yankees are going through right now. I think that they will get it going. Um, but I would say, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I would probably venture to say that the Mets' success will – I would say that it probably will continue a uh, given that they stay healthy, right? Right. I mean, I mean health is a big thing in in the last, you know, in the last 6 days the Mets have lost both of their starting catchers. Um so to in Travis Darno, they actually he got Tommy John surgery. He's going to have Tommy John surgery, so he's out. Um Kevin Pluecki, who was um platooning with him, he broke his hand. So, um we've already started started to get bit by the, the injury bug. Sure. Um, I, I, I think, you know, every Mets fan is is frightened by the, the prospect uh, of injuries. Um, but I think if the, if, pitching, if the pitching staff stays healthy, which knock on wood, um, it has so far, um, that is, that's like kind of the, the core thing that, that'll keep this team competitive. Totally. If, we keep our, if we keep our pitching staff healthy, uh, I think we, uh, you know, as a fan base, and I think probably that, that team uh, figures that, that they'll be competitive uh, pretty much throughout the entire season. So getting off to a good start uh, sets sets everything up for that. Totally. And I mean, so part of the thing, I was looking at the numbers earlier, part of the Mets' success too, um, you know, they threw some some flyers up against the wall a little bit to maybe plug a few holes mm-hmm. that they had. Uh, guys like Adrian Gonzalez uh, have definitely performed better than I, I certainly thought they would. I mean, Adrian Gonzalez... Uh, going in today has a 242 batting average, OBP 333, slugs 364, and his OPS is 697, almost 700. That's not terrible. Yeah, Jimmy Christmas. I, I think uh, uh, I, I was reading something. I was actually reading like a, a um, failing Washington Post article about uh, about the Nats and their struggles, and and the guy was pointing out that Adrian Gonzalez is having his best season since he won a silver slugger in like 2011 with the Red so, Sox. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I mean, it's a billion dollars in payroll. <laughs> right. So it's, I mean, it, it, he's, he's definitely off to a great start. Um, you know, they had Michael Conforto come back early. Yeah. So they, I mean, there, there are a bunch of guys, Todd Frazier is off to a much better start than his, you know, traditional numbers would, would lead you to be, believe that he'll end up. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going well uh, as dribble Cabrera also like, hitting really well. So, I mean, there are some guys who the, the Mets definitely will rely on to be competitive. And those guys are outperforming probably what their career averages would, would lead you to believe they'll end up with. Um, sure. But, you know, it's, it's, it's distributed and um, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I think that they're, you know, they're doing what you would hope they would do. Uh, hopefully if they start to regress, the, the pitching staff still keeps them in the mix. Do you see, uh, so, I mean, we talked a little bit about kind of the four outfielder platoon, not necessarily like what the uh, Astros deployed on the Rangers opening weekend, right? But more just like we were talking about Conforto and uh, Brandon Nimmo and trying to find a place for him. Where do you see that going with Nimmo? I mean, it seems like he's getting to the point where you can't really keep him out of the lineup. I mean, he's uh, three, let's see, limited plate appearances. He's got 16 plate appearances. 300, batting 300, 563, 400, 963 OPS. You can't keep a guy out of the lineup that long. You know? Oh, totally not. Yeah, I mean, basically, like, uh, I guess it was maybe 
start of the week, they sent him down um, oh, really? to make room for an extra reliever because, I mean, basically, like, during this this little run that the Mets have had, uh, they've had to lean heavily on the bullpen. And, and so they wanted to add in an extra arm, sure. uh, and they, you know, they decided to send Nimmo down. Uh, I think a lot of fans were pissed because they, you know, just kind of figured, like, Nimmo's actually playing pretty well. Jose Reyes stinks, and <laughs> we, we keep feeding Reyes into the lineup, we should we should be finding ways to keep Nimmo in, in the lineup. Um, so Nimmo went down, and then, you know, 100% of our starting catchers uh, broke things in their in their arms. Right. Uh, and right. so we were able to call Nimmo back up, uh, you know, because I think you have to actually keep someone down for, it's like something like seven or 10 it's days. 10 days, yeah. For 10 days. So uh, you could, you could um, bypass that if there's an injury. Right. So Nimmo came back up. Um, he's really good. Uh, and and has has gotten off to a really good start. Uh, seems like a real a real team guy. Yeah. I think they, yeah. I think the the perfect world is one in which he's in the starting lineup. And so between him, Cespedes, Conforto, and Jay Bruce, you you kind of figure that the 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 way you make that possible is you put Jay Bruce at first base, and, and Adrian Gonzalez uh, is no longer the starter. So. Um, that just sucks too. Not, There's no winning there, right? So I mean, I, I think I think kind of like at the moment, you're 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 sort of riding out uh, Adrian Gonzalez yeah. performing well, and you're 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 kind of living with everything um, the way it is. And as the season progresses, uh, maybe you start to mix Jay Bruce in at first base a little bit more. Um, I don't think. Conforto or Nimmo are capable of making that transition to first base. They they dabbled a little bit at one point with Conforto at first, but I don't think I it really that. panned out. And and Conforto's Conforto's a better defensive outfielder than than some of the other guys. So right. uh, he can kind of find his his place in center as being like a slightly below average center fielder. Uh, but there isn't there isn't a good situation. And I wonder if you know as the season progresses if maybe they explore like the trade route and maybe, maybe trade one of these guys and try to upgrade somewhere else. Um, but that's a, it's a dicey thing because I mean, you're, you're really talking about essentially like the best crop of hitters that we have going for us. And, and you know, you, if you're going to deal from there, you better, you better, better know what you're doing. With someone, someone meaningful. Yeah. Well, and I think that, I mean, you would probably almost, obviously deal a veteran i would think but i mean they're gonna be i mean if things keep up like they are i mean they're not gonna be in any kind of position to sell necessarily but i mean if that it'll depend on health and the pitching staff i, I would assume that's how i would think yeah i mean i i think that you know the starting rotation you know, your hope is if everybody stays healthy that you don't need to add another starting pitcher via trade um the bullpen has actually turned out to be pretty good especially with the addition of Gazelman and Lugo being these like surprise long men slash like do kind of whatever because you're actually pretty good starting pitchers who are now being asked to just throw an inning like that's worked out pretty well. Um, so I kind of think that, you know, when the Mets start to entertain trades, it, it's really looking at um, trying to bolster the lineup. And, you know, if, if you start to look at that, I mean, first base is an obvious position because uh, essentially... Sandy Alderson held off on going after a, a, a more higher tier first baseman with the hope that Dominic Smith, who's one of their prospects, would would pan out and and right. take the the spot. He's been hurt. He was hurt through all of spring training. He's now in AAA. 
Um, I think there's still a hope that he he pans out and kind of takes the reins there, but I mean, who knows? Uh, beyond that, uh, catcher is another one that like the team is is struggling with. So, uh, you know, one of the things that came up this week is maybe the possibility of going after JT Real Mudo uh, on the Marlins. Um, hopefully, we get the the New York discount when when dealing with the Marlins because I, I hear that if you're, if you're a New, yeah if you're a New York team, you can get good players for free yeah. from from yeah. the Marlins if you talk to. To our friend Derek, maybe you so, want to pay better or pay more money though, because it seems like that's kind of a shitty player so far. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that if the Mets, if the Mets go the the trade route, it, it, at least at this moment, it looks more more likely than not that they would try to bolster the lineup as opposed to trying to go get a reliever or or something like that. But we'll see. I mean, there, there's still obviously a lot of season left, and you know, we'll see. Um, again, knock on wood where, where the injuries take us. So I've got two more questions for you. One is a, a wild observation. Um, I was looking through the Mets roster, just looking at numbers, just cause I was, you know, I just wanted to be prepared for this conversation. What the hell is Jose Lobatone doing on the Mets roster? Well, he's, he's on the Mets roster because all of our catchers got injured this week. Like that's, that's why, I mean, he was, I, I think that, you know, <laughs> I think going into 2018, there wasn't a person in the Mets front office who said, you know what, count on us having Jose Lobatone on the roster for an extended period of time. That's, that's part of the recipe for success. Uh, you know, I think, I think this was purely a, a factor of um, Travis Darno needing Tommy John and then Kevin Pluecki shortly thereafter breaking his hand like a, a fucking clown. What, what, did anything particular happen causing him needing Tommy John? I don't know. I mean, Darno just gets hurt every time, uh, like every year. So, so I, I don't know that there was a particular moment. I guess he just, you know, he was throwing yeah. somewhere, um, whether it was in a game or not. I, it, it's not obvious to me. Um, Pluecki was was batting um, on Wednesday night. I think it was Wednesday night. Yeah, because um, they were off Thursday. So he was batting Wednesday and got hit by a pitch in, in uh. Florida and. Uh, you know, it was, it was, you know, his hand was red and swollen and he was hoping that that's all it was. Yeah. They did an x-ray um, and they were like, yeah, it's broken. He's hoping to be back in two to three weeks. The team is saying three to four weeks. Um, but hopefully, you know, I, I think, I think the, the preference at the moment is get by with Lobatone and they have a, a prospect named Tomas Nido yep. or Nido. Yep. Um, uh, but he, he started today actually for them. And, uh, if they can get by the next couple weeks with that, then that at least puts the team in a better position to talk trades with other teams. You don't want to be, um, you know, kind of at the at the mercy of everybody else when it comes to these sorts of talks this early in the season. And, and I think that's maybe Alderson's approach is he doesn't want to find himself in a position where he's so desperate to, to fill in at catcher that he's willing to give up someone really good um, maybe, yeah. you know, lower in the minor leagues for it. So um, I, I guess that's where they're at. But Jose Lobatone, not part of the plan okay. going Just into the season. Sure. And sure. yeah, kind of kind of a, 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 a depth thing happens yeah. happenstance. Sure, sure. Um, has New York gone to the whole certain catchers not catching certain pitchers, just everybody, depending on the lineup, or if, do they still have that going on where certain catchers, I mean, I guess with the lack of depth, that makes it hard, but have they moved away from that frame of mind? 
Well, Syndergaard has, you know, for one reason or another, he and Darno have not linked up too much. Like, I guess I've noticed, like, on opening day, because you would have figured that Darno was the opening day starting catcher, but actually Pluecki started on opening day to catch Syndergaard. And, and, and that was the case, um, you know, dating back even the last couple years that uh, they had... Um, the name is escaping me. There was a kind of a veteran backup catcher that they had the last couple of years who also caught Syndergaard. So for one reason or another, uh, Syndergaard and Darno haven't clicked, and 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 Syndergaard is uh, important enough that he gets to pick whoever catches him. Fair enough. Um, beyond that, beyond that though, uh, I wouldn't say that there is a, a lot of specialization among the catchers. It just kind of yeah figures itself out. That was one of the things that Alex Cora has done as he walked into the Red Sox situation is got rid of ex-catcher, you know, always catches Chris Sale or David Price or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's all based on analytics and what what the best lineup is there. And that makes sense to me. Um, I just didn't know how far, you know, other teams have taken that so far. Well, I have one more question for you, sir. Um, You got it. So at the beginning of the season and the preview, so – First of all, I'm super impressed by your prediction. You have them on at 89 wins. I had mm-hmm. them at 83. Ben had them at 81. Do you still feel confident in your 89 wins? Yeah, I feel pretty good about 89. I mean, like, obviously, if they maintained the pace they're on, they would be uh, way better than that. I don't think they'll keep this pace. Certainly not. Uh, I, I think, you know, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll come down to earth. Uh, well, I'm, I'm just, I don't want to say anything that really, uh, <laughs> you don't want to be responsible. I'm, I'm so nervous. Like, like I, it really is like, just, I, I think, you know, Mets fans um, among all the fans are, are probably the most frightened of being 12 and two sure. of any fan base. It's just like, this, this is, this is too good for us <laughs> to be dealing with. And it's scary. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think like, Every, you know the the kind of the, the baseline a lot of people had was the Mets were going to be kind of close to a 500 team, and my thought was, well, I think that their starting pitching will actually stay healthy and will be pretty good. I think if enough of their guys stay healthy, they'll actually be quite a bit better than 500, but maybe not you know in that elite tier that uh, you know I guess maybe we would have put like the Red Sox Yankees Dodgers that group although the Yankees you know they're not doing so hot so far going. I think we're all okay with that um, yeah I mean I, I guess like long story short is I, I think th- I think the Mets are probably gonna end up somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, maybe uh, you know if you had to guess somewhere between like, 86 and 94 wins right it, it would be my my guess and and depending on how things break anywhere in that that range which is higher than what most people figured that's a pretty wide range and it's probably enough of a wide range that you know if you end up closer to the higher end of that you're winning the division and the lower end of that you might not make the playoffs um and i think that's just that's kind of the the reality is sure. that sure. um you know they're off to a great start hopefully this, this gives them some some cushion if uh you know if shit hits the fan but uh they're hopefully going to be a competitive team throughout the season excellent well i'm glad to hear it i do appreciate you coming on to tell us a little bit about more about you know kind of where you think they're at and how you're feeling i I guess cautiously optimistic is probably the best way to sum it up frightened frighteningly optimistic (laughs) frighteningly Uh, optimistic i love it
Yeah. I love it. Well, as usual, Jimmy, thank you for everything. We'll have you on for a full episode here pretty soon. Uh, and, uh, we will, uh, yeah, we'll do, uh, some more check-ins here just to see how you're feeling. And, uh, I can't wait, uh, for Gabe Kapler to do his next dumb thing. I'm sure it's coming anytime now. We're all, we're all waiting with faded breath. Make sure to check out that website too. It's, it's apparently it's pretty, (laughs) pretty something. Stellar. Love Gabe Kapler, the website maker. All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. All right, man. Thanks. All righty. That was our Mets interview with. Midtown Jimmy, Jimmy Midtown. I never, I never can decide what sounds better, Jimmy Midtown or Midtown Jimmy. I think they both work. I think that realistically, not unlike the Mets' young pitching staff, whatever gets it done, that's what you want to go with. Hey man, I just, I'm just glad that they got, that we got the whole Jose Lobatone thing figured out. <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, he definitely made his point clear when it comes to their catching situation. It'll be interesting to see how that shakes out over the rest of the year for sure. Totally. Totally. Well, thanks, Jimmy. We appreciate the, the insight anytime, and we can't wait to have you on again, man. Absolutely. And as per usual, thanks you all so much for listening. Want to make sure if you like what you're hearing, check us out on Twitter at OutfielderPod. Check us out on Instagram at OutfielderPod. We are on Facebook at the Outfielder Podcast. And of course, we are a product of Sensibly Loud Media. So check us out on SensiblyLoud.com, where not only can you hear our podcast, you can also read some great blogs by Justin and myself. And of course... We are on the iTunes Store. We are on the Google Play Store. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and make sure you tell your friends and family. If you like what you're hearing, spread the word. We'd love to have you. Thank you so much. We want to thank everybody for tuning in to Episode 10 of the Outfielder Podcast. Uh, We'd like to thank all of our fans, Sensibly Loud Media, our sponsors, and those with a sharp eye to keep the runners close. Until next week, keep patrolling the outfield. And we'll see you then right here on the Outfielder Podcast. And I've been looking back on old photographs of you and me. Thinking of good times we had. And how it used to be And I can't help but to feel Like life has been born out of us my feet So what can I hold on to? And you blow me away every single day While you're screaming in my face You discriminate, yeah that's what I hate Yeah I feel it quite out of place It's my understanding of the world today That it's not getting better, it's not going away And I'm not feeling better while I'm feeling okay So can you bring it down a little Cause I can't understand what you're saying But I'm not sure what I've done I thought I found the meaning tonight But that meaning was your man gun And I know that you You're the only one that keeps me hanging around What am I getting myself into? Hanging around It's never been this far before Now it's not to the ground Won't just stick around for more and it's a shot to the head, yeah, I feel it dead Well, I know she listen to what you said But the world that keeps me lying here, lying here, whoa If you 